This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome everyone to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining us on this new episode. Uh, just a quick, some quick reminders for you guys. Uh, if you would like to uh, stay up to date with what's happening in our podcast, I would like to invite you all to follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, the easiest way to do that is by going on the link here on the show notes or the description. And that way you can find out what are some of the guests that we're going to have for the upcoming episodes. And also, if you have any prayer requests or you just want to, you know, you have any question about what's happening here on the podcast and why we're doing this, uh, you can just send us a direct message and we would love to just hear from you guys. And thank you again, guys, for your support. Uh, we're so glad just to hear how this has been an encouragement to you all. And that is our prayer and our hope. And as we do every Tuesday, we have a new guest. I am so, so honored, and it's such a privilege to have this person. He is a dear brother that Richard and I love so much. And I think if you follow me on social media, you might have seen some pictures that I posted recently. <laughs> and I called his family my Russian family. <laughs> That's right. And so, it is, it is, you are part of our family, so... Did you hear that voice? <laughs> For those of you who are listening, please help me welcome our dear friend, Joe Zakovich. Thank you. It's really, really wonderful to be here. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of this and to do this together. Really Thank love you. it. And Zakovich, right? That, that, that last name, it has been like mispronounced a couple of times, right? Zakovich is the way we've, we've been saying it for the past 30 years, or uh-huh. however long we've been in America, a little bit over 30 years. Previous to that, forget about it. It's been said many different ways. It depends where you are in yeah. Russia or in Latvia or in Austria or in Italy. We're in America, so we say Zakovich, and that's how we've been saying it. The, how do you say it, though? How did, what is the correct way to say it? The, the, the ancient way of saying it? Yeah. Zakovich. What? <laughs> what? Zinkevich? Yeah. I thought that was the like correct that. way. I thought that yeah. was no, Zakovich is the correct way. Zakevich okay. is the way we say it. <laughs> when somebody says Zakevich or something else, usually I don't respond. When uh, they say Zakevich, then I respond. Then you're like, okay, that's me. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. And it's, okay, your name on Facebook that you have it as Yo- Yosef? Yosef, yeah. Yosef. That's but right. it's spelled like I-O-S-I-F. Yeah, I-O-S-I-F is the yeah. Russian way of spelling it. Oh, and so when our mom, right. when we all came here as a family, my okay. mom just, you know, they said, what's your name? What's your son's name? And so my mom just wrote down the English letters for yeah. my Russian name, I-O-S-I-F. And so it's been with me for the past 30 plus years that we've been here. But it's Joseph, right? But Joseph we- is my middle name, yeah. So I added okay. that as a <laughs> middle name. <laughs> because Yosef is my first name. Joseph is my middle name. So when people call me Joe, it's actually proper. It's the shortening of my middle name. And then Zakovich is the last name. I hope you all got that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if they see you around church, you know, like, I hope right. they're not confused. Yeah. Why should I call him now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just Joe. There yeah. you go. No, but Joe, it's such a privilege just to have you. And um, I've told you guys, you, your mom, and your siblings, how much we love you guys and how thankful we are. And I, I don't know if I mentioned it in the episode where I share my testimony, but uh, your family was one of the first family that the Lord blessed me with at Grace Community Church. I remember that. <laughs> right? I remember that, knowing you and talking to you and to all of our siblings. I remember yeah. that very, very much. Yeah, like I always say, so it was like Mark, and then Mark introduced me to Philip, yep. because Philip speaks Spanish, and yep. then he's also living in the east coast and i'm like oh wow this is amazing and and such a connection right and then he introduced me to anya and anya just became like my bigger sister and she was the one like let's go to retreat let's go and do this so you guys have been just so sweet and even like when richard um was very ill we've mentioned we've we've been very open about it uh just the struggle that he went through with his health and your family just came alongside us and we're just so thankful for everything that you guys um have done and your prayers i mean you guys were praying for months yeah and we're so grateful for that thank you we love you guys (laughs) and that's why we we're praying for you guys but we really do love you guys you are part of our family so yeah that's my russian family like i said i just don't speak (laughs) russian (laughs) That's but secondary. It's okay, right? Yeah. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. so I normally like to have my guests to kind of just give us a little background about their life, their upbringing. And yeah. I know that you 
previous to the recording, you mentioned like you were growing up in Latvia with your family, yeah. right? So I would just like you to give us like the memories, the best memories there. And also just kind mm -hmm. of walk us through what was life like for you and your family growing up in Latvia, mm -hmm. where you're raised in a believing home and yeah. feel free to share as much as you like. We m most recently, we moved from Latvia to America. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, we were part of Russia. So ultimately, our family was part of Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. Okay. Uh, I was born in Latvia. Um, so were Philip and Anya, my siblings, and Mark and Elizabeth. They were actually born in Russia, so just outside of okay. Latvia. Um, and that's where we were when we left Soviet Union and came to America. Uh, we grew up in a Christian home. So the gospel, the church, the Bible, all of those things were part of our family growing up. And mm -hmm. we spent a lot of our childhood in the church. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my childhood, I have really good memories about the Bible, about yeah. reading the Bible. The first book that I remember reading, and I believe it was the first book that I ever read, it was the children's Bible. And it was this yeah. like blue book that was sent to us. I think it was from Germany, translated into Russian, of course. Mm -hmm. And so I started with Genesis and I was reading through the whole Bible. So the upbringing was a Christian upbringing where we heard the truth it was part of our lives, and um, it was ingrained into our thinking that this is what you have to consider in life as mm -hmm. you grow up. Uh, we, uh, I, was nine, I was eight when we left Russia, or former Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. We came to Austria. We spent three months in Austria. Then from Austria, it was actually on my birthday when I turned nine, mm -hmm. on January 11th, we left from Austria to Italy. We were in Italy for three more months, Wow. And then from Italy, we came to New York. And then in New York, it was like one day or something. We did all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. And then we came to L.A. very late in the night. And we stayed in L.A. basically for the past 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, living here and becoming part of Grace Church very quickly outside of studying in other parts of the country and another uh, outside of the country, outside of the uh, United States, mm -hmm. we were in LA all of the time. Why uh, did you guys decide to move from Latvia to all these different places? Like, what's happening in your in your lives? Like, why the move? Yeah, it was communist. It was yeah. Soviet Union. And communist, at least in that part of the world, and I think in many parts of the world, communist means atheist. Yeah. And so we were a Christian family in an atheist country. Persecution was rampant. Uh, our home was ravaged by the uh, KGB. Uh, we were persecuted uh, as, you know, growing up as Christians. And so one of the things that our, our parents wanted to do, what my mom specifically wanted to do for us, was to take us into a place where there was a freedom of religion, mm -hmm. where we could go to school without being persecuted, where we could get a higher education without uh, being kicked out of school, things that they themselves experienced. Mm -hmm. um, and so they wanted to bring us to a place where we could have you know, quote unquote, normal life, yeah. free life. And so that's why they wanted to take us out of that country. You know, one of the things that I remember, and some of the, this is one of the stories that I shared already in other places as well, was when I was born, I don't remember how old I was, just, you know, maybe younger than a year old or something like this. Mm -hmm. uh, the police, the KGB came to our house and they started searching for literature uh, mm -hmm. for all kinds of things that they could find that was religious, uh, that they would take from us. And because my mom realized that they were coming, they, I was in a crib, and so she stuffed various kinds of Christian literature, pieces of literature, into the crib under me, and I just slept there, right? And so the KGB went through the house for the entire day, taking mm. many bags of literature from our house, and uh, finally they saw me sleeping in the crib, and they literally said something like, take out the baby, Right, And so they took me out, my mom took me out, and they found the Bibles and other books that were there, and so they took the books. But the story goes that that was one of the last things that they found. But it was things like this that made my parents uh, want to leave that country so that we would be able to get a, quote-unquote, again, normal life. A life mm -hmm. where we could practice, believe freely without any persecution. Wow. And so can you tell me a little bit about your mom? Uh, you know, like, I remember uh, that we, uh, Pastor John, read a mm -hmm. letter of her testimony, and I, I think 
he was just uh, uh, sharing how she made sure like to learn English to yeah. like how did she prepare herself in order to accomplish all these things to be able like what were the things that she was doing in in order to move your family like across <laughs> the world you know and to make that happen yeah my mom uh, studied English when she was going through school and then through college. And she was studying to become an ambassador to England. And then when she was in her late teens, she became a believer, and so things began to change for her drastically. Mm -hmm. She became part of the church. She began to translate within the church. And at that point, her plans began to shift, and she could no longer become an ambassador for England, uh, from Soviet Union to England. So she became part of the church. And she got married. We were born. Um, and when we had the chance to leave, she was the one who would fill out all of the paperwork. Mm -hmm. She was the one who worked for, uh, on all of the paperwork for our family, for my, one of my cousin's families, and then my other cousin's family. Mm -hmm. And so she was the English-speaking person in all of our three families when we left. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, and she was one of the strongest believers that I knew, that I still know. And that goes back to my grandma, my mom's mom, who was just a stalwart of a believer, you mm -hmm. know, from uh, being an orphan to becoming a believer to being abandoned by her husband, uh, my grandmother, mm -hmm. uh, to just going through all of those things. Then to come into America, her faith just became stronger and stronger and stronger. And she, of course, impressed this on my mom. Yeah. And then she impressed this on all of us as well, just to be strong in your faith. And so when we came to America, my mom was the English uh, translator for all of those things. And she was the person who said that we need to find the church that teaches the Bible. We mm -hmm. need to find the church that has a high view of scripture. So when we came here, of course, we immediately became part of the Russian community. But she was always looking for the church that preached the gospel, that preached the Bible. And mm -hmm. so she, in talking to different people, uh, the people began to say to her that, look, if you want your kids to speak Russian or to be part of the Russian community, go to a Russian-speaking church. And that's yeah. fine. There were fine Russian churches. But they also said to her, but if, you're, but if you want your kids to know the Bible, to study the Bible, to hear the Bible as they're growing up, you have to go to Grace Community Church. And numerous people said that to her. So it was yeah. just a few months, or I should say several months, uh, from the time that we came to America until we went to visit Grace Community Church, and we never left. We yeah. became part of the church, and we've stayed part of this uh, church ever since we came here. Still here, right? We're still here, <laughs> still and it's 30-some years later. Yeah. And my older sister, Elizabeth, who has now four kids, they're growing up in Grace Community Church, yeah. and so they're receiving this blessing of hearing the gospel from their you know, childhood, yeah. very, very childhood. And uh, now about, you know, to, so you guys are moving and all of these things are happening in your lives. And obviously you mentioned how your mom is such a strong believer. Mm -hmm. um, what are your memories of your mom uh, teaching you, specifically you, about sin, mm -hmm. um, teaching you the word of God? Uh, what was it like? Because, I mean, with all the chaos happening, right? Like all these yeah, things, like all the movement, stuff was right? Moving. Yeah. How is she still doing that? Like, what are some of those memories? How did she confront sin when yeah. she will see it among you guys? Because <laughs> we are all born, born sinners, right? And right? it comes yeah. out. So how did she handle all of that for you guys? Yeah, I think my mom, um, or I think one of the key things that defines my mom is her belief in the scriptures, her high view of the scriptures. And so for her to have the Bible and to be able to read the Bible and to understand that the Bible is the most important thing in your life, that was the key example that she brought out to us. So that mm -hmm. we knew growing up, we knew that the Bible is the truth and that that's what you have to base your life upon. Now, outside of that, of course, there were implications and things that she applied um, in her life, but also to all of us. And that was confronting sin, calling it out when she saw it in us and patience in seeing us change and receiving. And of course, you know, as kids, but also as adults, not receiving some of the confrontation, but her patience in seeing that, in that confrontation. But also the persistence that you need in order to confront and confront and confront sin. Um, and just her desire and her love for us as kids, just to see us love God and just to see our lives committed to God. Uh, to see our lives lived in a way that ultimately glorify God. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, seeing that, uh, experiencing that growing up was what shaped us more than anything else. And that applied uh, in the form of the church. We were part of the church growing up in Russia. We were part of the church growing up in America. That applied to us in the school, making sure that we were living Christian lives outside of the home, making sure we were getting good grades. <laughs> Uh, and that applied in the work ethic yeah. as well, just making sure that we were working both in the home and that we were getting jobs outside of the home because if you don't work, you don't eat. And she wanted yeah. to make sure that we understood that and that's uh, what she ingrained into our lives ever since we were kids. So just watching her but also receiving that from her all throughout all of our childhood and adult life was what shaped us uh, more than anything else. Yeah, and I mean, anyone who might know your mom, they know. I mean, I just love talking to her. She's she's very kind, so so she's quiet. Like, mm-hmm. she's normally yeah. quiet, but she just has this, like, warmth that she yeah. brings into your heart, and I just, I just love her, and I can see the patience in her because she yeah. just seems to be so patient, too. Yeah, she has that yeah. perfect combination of yeah. being warm and loving, but also being strong in her convictions and not mm-hmm. compromising the convictions, knowing that this is the truth and you have to accept it and you have to respond to it. Mm-hmm. And she has that perfect combination of being a warm believer, but also being a strong believer in uh, addressing sin and addressing characters or characteristics that need to be addressed in order mm-hmm. for a person to live a godly life. Clearly, you were raised in a very strong believing Christian home. I mean, you yeah. mentioned about persecution and all these things. And I think that's one of the greatest examples to really see how strong of a faith we have. And yeah. thinking about your mom, right, that you just say that she remained faithful and she remained strong in her faith and her convictions and things like that, even yeah. under all the things that, we, that was going on in your in your life. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's talk about Joe. How... <laughs> is Joe before Christ. What are some of the things yeah. that you can look back and you're like, man, yeah, I totally see like those things and the things that yeah. I was struggling um, in my life. Yeah, I think that the question actually captures that well. How is Joe before Christ? And if we look at that question carefully, it's how is Joe? That's what it was about. It was all about Joe. There was no Christ in my life. There was nobody else in my life. I was living my life for my life. Yeah. And I grew up in a Christian home, so I knew the truth. And I knew the gospel. I knew that God existed. I knew that Jesus was God. I knew that he came to forgive our sins. I even knew that I was sinful. But there was a very important element missing from my life. And that was repentance. That was recognizing who is Lord and then who am I. And I was just casually living my life. I wasn't rebelling against God, at least not overtly. I was just casually living my life in a Christian community, not even thinking about the fact that I wasn't a believer. I had never repented of my sin. I had never committed my life to Christ. And so growing up in that context of having the truth, but never really thinking about it is a very dangerous situation because you can live all of your life like that, thinking that, oh, you're okay, Mm -hmm. but never coming to grips with the reality of your life and your eternity. And so as I look at that, I see the grace of God and the mercy that he had had on me by intervening into that situation and just letting me feel uncomfortable and letting, uh, compelling me to think about it, mm-hmm. that what is my life all about? And I really didn't become a believer until I was 17 years old. Wow. I grew up just being a good old kid. Wasn't really disobedient um, in any rebellious way. Of course, I was a disobedient kid, just you know, as any disobedient kid would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, I knew the truth, like I just said. Uh, but it didn't begin to uh, influence me, and it didn't cause me to think about the worth of my life and the worth of my eternity until I was in my uh, teens, until I was in high school. And mm-hmm. uh, w- w- there was one point when we went back to Latvia. Uh, when I was 17, and we visited various families, and we talked about the gospel. We talked about how people had sacrificed their lives for the gospel. And that's what made me think directly. Of course, everything that preceded that was building up to this, and God was using all of that. But those conversations really made me realize that, wow, you actually never repented of your sin. You actually never committed your life to Christ. You actually never 
responded to Christ's command, follow me. And so as I was thinking about these things, I realized that I'm not following Christ. I have not uh, repented of my sin. And that just broke me. That just made me realize that I've been living my life for myself, just kind of going through it without even thinking about it. And so when I was in Russia, that time visiting it, ironically, right, you go back to (laughs) Russia and that's where God saves you. And I realized that I was full of sin and that I was living life for myself. And so that's where I repented. And repented, and that's where I um, began to think about the question, who am I following? And I wasn't following Christ. I was just following myself. I was just, you know, making the decisions. And that's where I said, no, I need to follow Christ. And I think uh, one of the things that really influenced me, of course, all of the messages that I had heard in junior high and then high school, and then Pastor John MacArthur's messages about the necessity of following Christ as a believer. And you can think of the book, The Gospel According to Jesus, right? That's Mm -hmm. what it's about. Are you following Christ? Um, Those things came into my mind at that time, and I realized that, no, I have to follow Christ, and that means letting go of your sin, letting go of yourself. Yeah. And then what happens after that? Like, what are, from that moment of finally mm-hmm. making the step of truly following Christ, right? Dying to, to, to yourself, but now it's like living for Christ, right? Um, what are some of the changes that you begin noticing in your life? What are some of the desires that you have yeah. now? Yeah, I think the biggest change at that point of repentance was that I really hated sin afterwards. Mm-hmm. I really saw it. I began to see more and more of it. And I just hated the fact that there was sin in my life. And the counterpart to that is that I loved Christ so much and that I, uh, I, w- I wanted to follow him so much that, that that was the major transformation in my life. Mm-hmm. So I hated sin. I loved the Bible. And I really wanted to live my life in a way that glorified God. Mm-hmm. And I know those things may sound cliche, but I think that those are the things that are uh, the major changes in a person's life, no matter what background they come from. And when I think about my life of growing up in a Christian home, hearing the gospel, hearing the truth from my childhood, the Bible being the very first book that I read, right? And then coming to that point, the key thing that defined my change was hatred of sin, love of Christ. And of course, what, meant, what that meant, uh, practically speaking, was that Uh, As I continued to live my Christ, there was one goal in my life, and that was trying to live in a way that glorified God. You know, that defined every step that I took afterwards, from the books that I read to the decisions that I made in my life to what I'm doing right now even with my life. Yeah. Uh, But that really was the biggest change uh, in my life at the point of repentance. Isn't it interesting, right, that being raised in a believing home and Mm -hmm. being taught the gospel and all of that, I mean, I was surprised, like, you know, like, oh, 17, what? <laughs> but still, you know, like, right. that, that's pretty young still. But um, you would have thought that you would come to Christ at a younger age because you're mm-hmm. getting the gospel, I mean, all the time. And right. you are seeing the gospel being living out, you know, right. by, by, your fam- by your mom. And it's like, oh, so what happened? And it's just a reminder that it's in the Lord's timing. Yeah, it, and it's a miracle in every single situation because mm-hmm. it's, you know, you could be in one of the most difficult and one of the worst situations, humanly speaking, to being like me who basically grows up in the church. And it's like, yeah, that's the ideal situation, right? Mm -hmm. But you could be a believer and you could be on the same path as any other human being, uh, no matter what background they come from. And it's God's miracle of just snatching you out and uh, Him saving us, Him loving us first, and then us responding to that, no matter what context that we come from. Yeah, and um, so and then all of this happened. You you guys had already moved to America. Mm-hmm. You guys were already in church, and then you just go back to visit yeah. uh, Russia, right? And yeah. then everything happens there, and then you come back again to America, right? And then what happened after high school? What are your dreams? What do you want to do? Like <laughs> after high school, like what do you desire? Like what career are you thinking about? Like. Yeah. What, where am I going to be spending my life now? <laughs> no, that really was the question. Hmm. What is worth it? Right. Hmm. That was the question. And I remember wrestling with that question as I was going through college. My major was English literature and Russian literature. And I loved reading all of this fiction literature. But there came a point where I said, 
I'm reading stuff that doesn't and never existed. It's just fiction, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, I'm not pu- uh, putting down that major. It was a great experience, but there came a point where uh, I needed to ask myself, am I doing what is worth it for me, right? Mm-hmm. To be God's instrument, to be used by him. And when that question came up, I really had to reevaluate my life. And that question was complemented by my frustration at the fact that I would read the Bible, but I wasn't sure that I was understanding the Bible. Mm. I thought, yeah, this is probably what it means. This is probably what it's saying. This is probably how I apply it. And there came a point, this was towards the end of college, where I said, I don't like this fact that I'm saying probably, probably, probably when I'm reading the Bible, when it's the most important thing in your life, the most important book in your life. And at that point, going to seminary became a real question for me. The key driving point that I wanted to get out of seminary was I wanted to read the Bible and I wanted to know what it means. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be confident in that. And so I went to seminary. I graduated college. Uh, I went to Israel the summer after I graduated college. And that was one of the things that I was wrestling with. I was Mm -hmm. serving as a missionary there uh, for for the summer. It was just about three months. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I came back saying, I have to go to seminary. And so I went to seminary. I got my MDiv at seminary. Then I got a THM there. Uh, And the entire time, I was just loving the fact that I was studying the original languages, you know, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and that I was able to answer that question, is this what the Bible means? And with confidence, I was able to say, yes, this is what the Bible means. And that was just the most satisfying experience for me. And as I was doing that, I was asking the same question again. Okay, so what do I do with the rest of my life? And I just fell in love with Hebrew. And I had loved Hebrew even prior to this, just the the Old Testament and just getting into the details of it and seeing how it serves as a foundation for the New Testament, how the Old Testament sets up for the coming of Christ, Mm -hmm. how he's prophesied as the Messiah in the Old Testament. Um, And so uh, I uh, graduated, was graduating seminary, and I was thinking, what do I do with the rest of my life? An opportunity came up for me to go to Israel for two years to study there at the Hebrew University and to study Hebrew even at a deeper level. And so I did that. I went there. And as I was there, the same question was coming up. What do I do next? (laughs) And so then I decided to pursue a PhD. And I I did need to see, was God going to open those doors? Mm -hmm. And that means, are you going to get accepted into the PhD programs that you apply to? And Mm -hmm. so I applied to a number of programs and I was accepted. Um, And so I went and I did a PhD in the ancient Near East and Hebrew uh, Aramaic, things like that, the Old Testament, you know, the more I did it, the more I loved it, and the more it became clear to me what God wanted me to do with my life, and that was to teach the Bible. As I was finishing my PhD, the, con- the open door became clearer and clearer that it was, uh, the door was for me to come back to the seminary here, to the Master's Seminary, to teach here and teach specifically the languages and mm-hmm. be used by God as an instrument in that regard. So you do two years in Israel. Mm-hmm. You study there for two years. Where do you go next to study? I went to Boston. I went to Harvard University. I did five years there. Okay. And so I finished in 2016. And at that time, there was a professor at the Master Seminary in the Old Testament, Dr. Barrick, who was retiring. Oh, so it was wow. just like this perfect switch. Perfect in the, only time-wise. <laughs> Dr. Barrick is Dr. Barrick. Nobody fits the <laughs> shoes of Dr. Barrick. So uh, he was retiring at that time, yeah. becoming Professor Emeritus. Uh, emeritus, uh, and uh, then I came. I was finishing my PhD, and I mm-hmm. came at that time to the Master Seminary in 2016. So I've been teaching at the seminary for the past five years now. And you're teaching Hebrew. Yes. So, so you teach Hebrew, and so I teach Hebrew. Uh, the Old Testament is generally what I'm yeah. focused on, yeah. but Hebrew, Aramaic, and then there's Akkadian, which is the language that the Assyrians and the Babylonians spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things related to the Old Testament, so exegesis of various books of the Old Testament, uh, taught the class on the exegesis of Messianic texts in the Old Testament, which is just an amazing study. Love teaching that class. I'm in various other cla- uh, classes related to the Old yeah. Testament studies uh, for people, for pastors, or for you know students who are becoming pastors and pursuing yeah. that degree. But you're not a pastor, too. So <laughs> how do you land, like, how do you end up now, like, <laughs> Being like, oh, yeah, so I guess this is my calling. Like, I think 
this is a calling that the Lord has for me to be a pastor. When I finished my PhD, I came back to uh, teach here at the seminary right away. And I immediately became part of Grace Community Church. I love Grace Community Church, just the way that it invested into me, the mm-hmm. fact that it teaches the Bible, the fact that it has a high view of scripture, that was extremely important to me. And that's what I wanted to do. And so I wanted to serve in whichever way I could. And I, having come back to Grace Community Church, I immediately became part of Sojourners. And so I was serving in the Sojourners as a co-shepherd, and then most recently I became a uh, pastor uh, along with Abner Chow, and we're just loving the group and serving the group, uh, and it's one of the joys of my life, actually, being part of Grace Church, but being specifically part of uh, Sojourners, just uh, teaching through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thinking was that if God wants me to teach the Bible, if he wants me to serve as a shepherd or as a co-shepherd or as a pastor in some way, I'm open to that. And if he puts me into that position, I'm going to fill that position. And in God's timing, in his perfect timing, he did this in the past, uh, this past year, just growing me, uh, working on me, shaping me, and putting me into this position for his glory and uh, just using me as one of his instruments. And I absolutely love it. It's just one of the joys of my life to do what I studied to do what I love and to be with the people. I, I don't think you could ask for something better, for something more enjoyable in a person's life who loves this. And beyond just loving this, this is what is worth it. Mm. Right? That was the question that it all started with for me. And I look at what I'm doing with Grace Church, with Sojourners, and this is worth it. And I know that there's eternal value just being with the people uh, being influenced by the people, shaped by the people, but also investing into the people uh, through the scriptures, just pointing them to Christ and growing alongside with them, loving Christ more and more and more. Yeah, and we love Sojourners, Richard and I. <laughs> yes, and we love you guys, and thank you for serving in the way that you guys serve the Sojourners. It's yeah. just such a blessing. Angie, also, Andrea now, like, any time that I do anything, it's like, <laughs> I drag her along with me. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. A very wise call. A very yeah, wise right? call. right? <laughs> we benefit from her uh, yeah. gifts, and, and, I mean, just how the Lord has blessed her with so many talents, and... Yeah. Yeah, but it's been a joy also to serve alongside you guys, and we're learning so much. I mean, yeah. we're you know we're learning, and we're sharing the joy that it is, right? It's yes. just such a blessing. Yeah. Really and the is. people too. I mean, <laughs> from the moment I arrived to Sojourners, everyone was just so welcoming, yep. so loving. And I'm like, wow! I just think I just follow. I just found my fellowship group, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know at that time that you were involved in there because yeah. I had met you guys already in right. Foundation because right. I had been going to Foundation. I remember that, and I arrived yeah. to Sojourner. I was like. Well, this is my group now. <laughs> I'm staying here. Yeah, and look at Richard. Richard then yeah, came to he visit. Came and joined, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. And the we fact. are there now. So, Joe, you also became an elder at the yeah. church, and that was in what year again? That was in 2019. 2019. So now you're like involved in sojourn. So, what does that look like for you? How? What is it like? What are some of the responsibilities that you that you have that you have you know in serving and all the things and within the church with so many different names, right? Like elder, pastor, and yeah. uh, professor. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's a first of all, it's a blessing. It really yeah. is. There's no other way to describe it, but it's a blessing, and it's one of those things that you say thank you to God, and you just say, God, use me in any way that you can, and I want to be expended, as Paul says, in every possible way, spent and expended. Uh, But yeah, being an elder, it means that I'm simply more involved in the church, and that includes counseling, and that includes praying with people, that includes uh, being involved in various decisions. Of course, all of that comes with the uh, regular elders meetings that we have on a monthly basis, um, which uh, many of the Grace Church commu- uh, family comes to, and of course, mm-hmm. all of the family, uh, Grace Church family, is welcome to come to. And just being involved on that level and serving the church in every capacity that is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just being available to serve the church and the church needs as the opportunities and as the needs arise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are so grateful. I mean, you, Mark, and I mean, all of the the pastors at our church, you know, like I always, anytime that we talk about like the teaching of our church, it's like we have Pastor John and we love his teaching, but everyone else has like 
they they are so sim. Everyone is like teaching in the same mind, you know. Yeah. Like we receive like the same teacher, whether from Pastor John or like you or Mark or whoever it is, you know, that is preaching. And that's just to say, like the training that this yeah. man, everyone is receiving. Uh, yeah, the and masters. I think yeah. I think that really comes down to one major factor: mm-hmm. the high view of scripture. Yeah. We know what is the truth, mm-hmm. and our lives focus around understanding it and then making sure that everybody else with us understands it. Yeah. And that expresses itself in everything that you just said, is that no matter who teaches yeah. at, the, at Grace Church, you know that they're going to teach you the truth because that is the foundation of Grace yeah. Community Church. And yeah. you know that's why we came to Grace Church, and that's why we love Grace Church so much. Yeah, I mean, and just like you were before, right? Like, it can't be to just like, oh, maybe this is what it means, right. or maybe that's what it, yeah. you know? like. But it's really... You have to know what it means, yeah. because there's nothing more important than the Scriptures. Exactly. So, And that's what I love, because we don't have to be afraid of like, oh, if this person is preaching today, what mm-hmm. are we going to receive? You know, we know what we're going to receive exactly. when we go to uh, our church, and it's the Word of God. Exactly. Uh, and, and that is just such a blessing. Yeah. Uh, and praise to the Lord for that. Yeah. Thanks, the Lord. <laughs> so I did wanted to ask you um, about uh, now that, you know, after you, you became a believer— and prior to your salvation, everything that was happening in, in your life and your family with all the move and everything that you guys had, what impact did that have in your life prior to salvation, but then even mm-hmm. after salvation? Yeah, um, we did see it in a different light. We see, So we looked at our past and we looked at our future in a very specific way because of what we experienced in former yeah. Soviet Union. When we were there, of course, us as kids, you know, for us, this was normal life. We didn't know anything else besides this life. Yeah. Uh, but our parents understood that this is persecution. This is um, persecution against Christ, against the church, against the Bible, and against our family because this is who we were. When we left Soviet Union, we saw that this was something that influenced our life and shaped our life. And this is something that we have to cherish, the scriptures mm-hmm. that is. Uh, Christianity and our faith in Christ. We have to cherish. And no matter what comes, no matter what type of persecution comes, no matter what type of stress or challenges come our way, we have to stick to the truth and we have to prioritize uh, the truth above everything else. And that did influence our lives the way that we lived. And just me personally, you know, any one of our family members can speak to to this in the way that impacted them. But just me personally... It made me, after I became a believer, it made me see the urgency of believing the scriptures, not only for myself, but for everybody that was around. You know, as I became a believer, after I became a believer, um, just talking about the gospel nonstop and uh, going through college, the university nonstop and just always being in the gospel. And one of the ministries or kind of one of the open doors that I had going to college was being part of the Russian community because of my background. And it so happened that many of the students at UCLA were Jewish Russians. And so my a lot of my interaction was around Jewish Russians as well as Jewish Americans, you know, and anybody who was Jewish because they all stuck together. And so I had the opportunity to be part of them and to speak to them. And it was always about who is Jesus? Is Jesus the Jewish Messiah? And, you know, as I think about that part of my life and I think about the people who influenced me the most, Pastor John, of course, he, he more than anybody else influenced in the way that I think, in the way that I think about scriptures, in the way that I understand scriptures, because I grew up in the church. I went to the seminary. Mm-hmm. And then another person who influenced me more than anybody else, and again, this is outside of my family, my mom, my siblings, but the person who influenced me was Marty Wolf. And uh, he was the person that I would go to all the time after church, and I would say to him, Mr. Wolf, I have a question. You know, I was talking to my Jewish friend, and they said this about Jesus, that, you know, he's not the Messiah because of this, or he's not the Messiah because of this, or somebody, just one example, uh, I was talking to a friend about Zechariah 12, uh, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. Mm. And so I was talking to a friend, and he said, well, actually, the Hebrew doesn't say this, it says something else. He told me, and I didn't know Hebrew at that time. Uh, and so I went to my uh, my mentor, Marty Wolf, and I said, asked him, you know, what does this mean? And so he gave me, uh, helped me understand the passages. And so I was able to go to my friends and I was able to answer them 
what the scriptures actually mean. And that was something that happened over and over and over. And uh, this is now 20 some years ago, but he was the person who shaped, shaped my personal life more than anybody else outside of my family. I just go to Mr. Wolf. Uh, what does this mean? What does this mean after, after Grace Community Church? Uh, and he, you know, he was a key example in my life of how to live a Christian life. And if I just, if I just think about him, he was a person who had, who had a high view of scripture. He grew up in a Jewish home. Mm-hmm. And once he realized what the scriptures mean, once he saw that Jesus was the Messiah, he believed it and he accepted it. Mm-hmm. He was bold. And that was an example for me to, how to live my life. Because when he became a believer, he lost his friends, his Jewish friends. He mm-hmm. lost his Jewish family. Uh, because they all rejected him because he became a believer. And he uh, lived for the glory of God, irrespective of the things that happened. And he mm-hmm. did it with gentleness. And you, you can think about, you know, First Peter 3.15, that you know the gospel, you're out there preaching the gospel, but you're doing it with care, you're doing it with gentleness. And he was a key example for me how to live my life. So as I think about where I grew up and how I spent my years at Grace Church, and then how I spent my years after I became a believer and the influence that Marty Wolf had in my life. This is uh, what I see, how he shaped my life, how Marty Wolf shaped my life in living my life as a Christian in a gentle way, but in a way with convictions, just teaching the truth, just mm-hmm. sharing the truth with everybody. Mm-hmm. And now we are the one coming to you like, Joe, what does this mean? <laughs> Why are they saying this? Why do they say this? And, and we're just so grateful for that, right? Like it's passed on. Yeah, and life. it's funny that this is what it goes down to. It's the scripture. We know it's the most important. That's what our lives revolve around. That's what yeah. we want to understand. Yeah. And now, Joe, uh, this year... Uh, you guys finished translating the translation, the new translation, the Legacy Standard Bible. And you had a part also in this uh, project, which is a big project. (laughs) Was it in a year that you guys did it? Yeah, it was a huge project, and we did it in just about a year, the Legacy Standard Bible. Huge blessing, something you couldn't ask for, something that God brings you to do, and you just do it because... Um, this is where he has you at that point, and that's what he calls you to do. So how do you end up in this? Like, you know, when you're first introduced to this idea or this project, like, hey, so we're going to tr- do this translation. Joe, are you in? <laughs> you know, how, how, how did that work? You think about that, and when I think about that, I just see God's providence in mm-hmm. that entire situation. When I did my PhD, my focus was on how the rabbis translated the Bible from Mm -hmm. Hebrew into Aramaic. And I did that because the topic interested me and because the professor was willing to work with that topic uh, for me to write my dissertation in it. Mm -hmm. I was not thinking, five years from now, I'm going to translate the Bible. You know, that was the furthest thing from my mind. But God used that education in order to prepare me to use me five years down the road in order to be part of this project. So... Abner Chow, who was the chief editor of this translation, he emailed all of us and then he actually came by to our, uh, to our offices and he asked each one, one of us independently and he said, so this is what we're doing. We're taking uh, new, the New American Standard Bible translation and we're going to update it, which means that we're going to look at every single word in the original, in the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and we're going to translate it to make sure that it's as precise and it's as accurate as it possibly can be. And that would be the legacy standard Bible translation. It's legacy because it stands on the shoulders of those men who translated the NASB, but also it affirms a lot of what NASB did, but it takes it to the next level of making it more precise and making it more um, intertextually available to the readers today. So I was part of um, the Old Testament. I was part of the whole thing, but my main role was in translating the Old Testament with Abner Chow and just making sure that uh, everything was as precise as it possibly could, uh, could be. And I, was, I participated in the New Testament translation as well, but there I was more of what they called as a consultant where I would look at the work that they did and then I would ask questions as to, okay, why did you translate this? Is this the best translation for this? Uh, what about this passage and that mm-hmm. passage? Do they connect? Do they relate one to another in some way? So that was my role in the New Testament. But the Old Testament was 
uh, my primary involvement in that translation. Yeah. And one year after starting it, roughly one year after starting it, by God's grace, we were able to finish it, although it was an immensely blessed year, but an immensely uh, full year. Yeah. How many hours a day did you guys... All the hours a day. <laughs> All the hours a day. All yeah, I mean, uh, we, Abner and I joke about this, that uh, we would be translating 24 hours a day in the sense that he would be translating for some hours, and as soon as he would say, I need to take a break, then I would pick up and I would be translating. And as soon as I finished, he would pick up and he would be translating. Wow. And so we just went like that over and over, where I would email him at five in the morning and he would email me back right away and he would say, okay, I'm picking up right now. And then I would go to sleep and take a nap or something and get up and, a few hours later and keep going with the things that we were we had planned for that day. And how many emails was it that you guys said, oh, like, that you guys sent yeah. to each other? I, I, it was in the thousands. I think thousands, it was, yeah. I, I don't know the exact, Abner would know I that forgot, he I forgot because you guys share yeah. and sojourners, but I totally forgot. But Yeah, it was something say. like just roughly something around 5,000 emails or something, maybe more than that, I don't yeah. know. But it was just an immense mm-hmm. amount of emails just going back and forth, back and forth with everything related to the translation. Now, I do want to know, how do you feel the Lord used this time working in this translation for your life? What new yeah. things did you discover that you were like, or did you learn uh, just working on this trans- translation? I think, well, two things. One is intellectual, one is character. Yeah. Character, humbleness, mm-hmm. humility. There is nothing that worked in my life more, that God worked in my life more throughout this year than to show me how much you don't know. Mm. You read the Bible, and with the care that we read the Bible, I mean, that was just an immense amount of care. And you look at it, and you just see so many things and so many new things, and you realize, wow, I've been reading the Bible for so many years, and I'm barely seeing this right now. You just understand that there's so much more to see, and it develops Mm. this humility within you. And then your limitations, knowing that I'm human, And there's only so much that I will be able to see, but you strive and you keep working and working and working, seeking to understand as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then intellectually, and that that is the immense respect I have for the Word of God, the way that it is connected, one book to another book, one author uh, reaching back to another author to the things that he said, and just seeing how the Bible is interconnected, developing over the... uh, couple thousand years that it was written just the authors so to speak talking with one another right but picking Mm -hmm. up on the things that they wrote but speaking the mind of God and developing the theological points and the information that God had for us from the very beginning and just thinking about the Messiah from Genesis 315 showing giving us this hope this promise that the Messiah is going to come that he's going to reverse the curse, mm-hmm. that he's going to bring redemption. And in the midst of the curse that was happening, you know, on the serpent, on the earth, and then the punishment that Adam and Eve were experiencing that God had announced, announced upon them, God brought in this blessing and this hope saying that there is coming a redeemer who will reverse all of this and who will bring salvation. And then just going through the scriptures and seeing how mm-hmm. God develops and reveals this over and over and over and more and more and more than seeing the fact that Christ will be the suffering servant mm-hmm. and that he will be the redeeming servant and seeing that through the Old Testament and then seeing that fulfilled in the New Testament. You know, you see that and you realize how much there is in the scriptures and how much there is for us as humans to learn. So that was one of the key things that I walked away with, mm-hmm. the depth of respect for the depth of the scriptures what a blessing joe it is to see how the lord has used this time specifically also for you to teach you even more right um through all this time that you guys have been spending in the in this translation and finally finalizing the project but is there a new project in your life there is by god's grace and it's an amazing project something that i'm very very excited about it is the commentary on the Old Testament. So this is yeah. kind of like a um, complement to the New Testament commentary mm-hmm. that Pastor John produced for the New Testament over the past, what, 40 years or so? Yeah. Uh, this will be the complement to that commentary set, but focusing on the Old Testament. Uh, so we're going to go through the entire Old Testament if God gives us the years to do so. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'll take probably more than 10 years to do this. But we're going to go through each book and we're going to write out the commentary just so that 
there is a resource for the pastors that they can go to, that they can rely on as something that's both instructive, that is helpful for the pulpit, that mm-hmm. explains the text, that has a high view of scripture, um, and that they can take with them and depend on as they're preparing for their messages and as they're reaching out to the people and teaching them. Mm-hmm. And the first set of books that we're going to start with are the 12 the Minor Prophets. Mm-hmm. So we've already started with Jonah, and we'll just continue working through those 12 books one by one until we finish that, and then we'll move on to other ones. So the 12 um, are scheduled for this the next 12 months for this uh, coming year. It's about a month or so per book. That's wow. what our goal is. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, that's the next yeah. big project. Very exciting project for us and just a blessing. Again, another thing that you can't ask for, but you're just so thankful to receive and to accept and to be expended for in order to be useful in that way, to be an instrument of God in that way. So you guys are going to be starting that this fall, right? Yeah, we're going to start. The goal is to start in September. Yeah. Uh, but Abner and I already started just kind of to get a, a head start. <laughs> you guys can uh, but, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something that you love, something that's part of your life. You would do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's something we enjoy. But we got a little bit of a head start. But believe me, we're going to have plenty of uh, challenges that we're going to encounter <laughs> in the future, which are going to slow are going to slow us down. So yeah, but it's a, it's an exciting project. Yeah, that's exciting. So that's something that we can all be praying about. Yes, please you know, do. Uh, please all do. of you guys who are listening or who will be listening, uh, just pray for yeah. the Lord's guidance through this yeah. project. Um, I think uh, something that I liked uh, that you and Abner um, mentioned just throughout the conversation, you know, when you guys will do like Q&A and Sojourners, is just like um, how you guys were just connected, you know, like mm-hmm. like-minded. It's it's amazing. It's I mean, that's another blessing when you have somebody that you work with so closely that yeah. you are of one mind with that person. Yeah. And that uh I mean, that has expressed itself in so many different examples in our translation and even in our commentary now as we're working on it, but also in practical uh questions that we experience in ministry together because he and I are now part of the sojourners and we're shepherds of the sojourners and just some of the decisions that we make uh, we just have the same mindset. And I think, you know, theologically, it goes back to the fact that we have a high view of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we know that this is the most important thing, and you have to get it right. Whether it's talking about grammar or the interpretation of the Scripture or the application of Scripture, you have to get it right. And both Abner and I, we just don't give up until we, we are confident that this is the meaning. And once we are confident of that, then, of course, you know, we have the affirmation of other pastors and other elders. Uh, but having that determination to get the meaning of the Scriptures right is something that is in our lives and that's in our mindset, which helps to work together um, and have that perspective, have that one-mindedness that you're referring to yeah. for both Abner and myself. Yeah. It's like your guys are like <laughs> one <laughs> there in your mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, praise the Lord. Just uh, so thankful. I can't wait to get the full Bible. You know, like we yeah. already have yeah. like Richard and I, we got like the, um, <laughs> the New Testament the New Testament right. one. And I'm like, man, I can't wait for the, for the Old Testament You one. say you can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to get it. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm. You, That's right. <laughs> I'm using the NASB right now from time to time. Yeah. I've, of course, I yeah. uh, see the other, the new LSB translation, Legacy, uh, but I just can't wait to get the finished product and just go th- from, you know, cover to cover, just to yeah. read it, just to experience it myself. Even though I was part of the translation team. Yeah, but, but I can't wait. your to final product, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. like when you're recording a video and everything, and you want to see and it, and then you want to see the yeah. the final product. Yeah. So I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and just like I, I love, like uh, the in the translation, how you guys uh, translated uh, Lord, like mm-hmm. L O R D, like capital, like all caps, Yahweh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like it's such a personal, intimate name you know and now like when you read it especially through the psalms because i love reading through psalms it's like you find it so often yeah through the psalms yeah Yeah. i I think that's probably one of my favorite translation Mm -hmm. elements of the uh, of the bible it's hard to choose one but you know if i were to be forced to choose one or two it would Mm -hmm. be the name of god and then there's the shorter name yah that Mm -hmm. we typically miss unless you study the languages or you read the commentaries but that just having that personal experience that personal relationship and that personal reading of the scriptures seeing the name of god Mm -hmm. i just love that it just gives you a new experience to reading the scriptures because you see god by his name 
I know. I just love yeah. that. <laughs> I love it too. Yeah. Like I love just reading that, and I love that you guys um, translated it in, in, yeah. in this way. So, yeah. and talking about books, and <laughs> and now that we were talking about the Bible, other books other than the Bible, what are some of your favorite books or books that have been even helpful throughout this years for you? Yeah, you know, I mentioned one, the Gospel According to Jesus. Mm-hmm. One of the books that really shaped my thinking about what it means to be a Christian. Um, just realizing that in order to be a Christian, you have to follow Christ. The Gospel yeah. According to Jesus was fundamental in uh, shaping my thinking about that. Another book, and you know, outside of the Bible, mm-hmm. probably the book that influenced my life more than any other book, that would be the book Holiness by J.C. Ryle. Mm-hmm. It was written ages ago, in 1800s. <laughs> But he talks about the characteristics of a Christian life and the perspective of a Christian life. And, you know, the book is called Holiness, Mm -hmm. but it begins in a chapter about sin. Because, you know, in order to be holy, you have to say no to sin. And you think about uh, Psalm 1. It begins by Mm -hmm. saying, blessed is a man who does not Walk, walk in the counsel yeah. of the wicked, right? And does not do this, does not do this, does not do this. And then it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the law of Yahweh, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Right? So you have those two perspectives. And J.C. Ryle really understood that. In order to be holy, you have to say no to sin. And then he talks about sanctification, and then he talks about holiness. So he gets to all of those elements. But that book was the first uh, substantial book that I read after I became a believer. And it just shaped my life and my thinking about the Christian life, putting me on a course of how do you live a Christian life? And yeah. J.C. Ryle spoke to me, even though he wrote that book in the 1800s. And uh, Pastor John's book, The Gospel According to Jesus, was a major part of that experience as well afterwards. So those two? Those two would be, hands down, those two would be the books okay. that shaped me more than anything else outside of the Bible. Yeah, outside of the Bible. Yeah, well, yeah. go read the Bible too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and now three things that brings you joy. It doesn't have to be like super spiritual because okay, everyone yeah. like it's like it doesn't have to be yeah. super spiritual. Whatever brings you joy. Three things. Okay, so those are easy actually. <laughs> okay, uh, my family. Yeah. Nothing brings me more joy than my family. Spending time with my mom and spending time with my siblings. That's really you know the joy of my life. And my sister and her kids, my nephews and my niece, just being it's just a blast. <laughs> it's just a fun blast. And okay, and on the note of spirituality, but this is real. You know, being part of a church. Yeah. There's, it's like an oasis from the entire world of havoc and craziness. You go to church and you know that this is a place where you have the truth, yeah. where things are black and white, mm-hmm. where you do have clarity and understanding. And then you step outside of that and you just don't know what to believe. You, you don't know how to think. But being part of the church, being, having that family is the second thing that brings joy to my life. And of course, being part of Sojourners yeah. is just mm-hmm. one of the most joyful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third thing, okay, and this is away from spiritual but related, uh, <laughs> I think productivity. Mm. Productivity, just knowing that what I'm doing has some use for it. And mm. you know that means studying or writing or reading or uh, speaking into other people's lives, but just knowing that I'm not wasting my life. One of the mm-hmm. worst things in life is just to waste your life. Why did God give you those years if you're wasting your life? Right? God gives us a specific number of years, and he knows exactly what you're, when you're going to die. And I just want to make sure that I'm living my life all the way to the end, using every single minute in a way that is productive. Yeah. So those three things are the things that bring me joy when mm-hmm. I know I'm experiencing any one of those three. Yeah. And I mean, just a part of the church too, I think throughout this year, within this year, I think, yeah. you know, I, many of us probably took the church for granted and it was I like, agree. oh yeah, we have this church and wonderful preaching and we just go and, you know, enjoy it. And, but we didn't, I don't think that many of us really appreciated until this year happened. Yeah. Just think about the yeah. beginning of this year. You can't go to church. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? What do you mean I can't go to church? This is America. You know, I go to church. I want to go to church. I go to church. You can't go to church. The church was closed. And we didn't meet at Grace Church for a few Sundays. I can't remember how many exactly. But even at Grace Church, we didn't go in order to respect the laws that were passed. Uh, Of course, later on, uh, we started meeting 
at church, irrespective of the laws that were passed, because they were contradicting the scriptures very, very clearly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, not going to church did stir various conversations within our family, and it reminded us a lot of communist, mm-hmm. a lot about communist Russia, and just thinking that as a child, it was you weren't allowed to go to church. You didn't go to church in Soviet Russia as a child unless you defied the government. Mm-hmm. Right? And just to think that my nephews and my niece couldn't go to church, it's like, what country are we living in? Yeah. Right? And so it reminded us a lot about that, and it made us realize exactly what you're saying, that you can't take church for granted mm-hmm. because there are places where people can't go to church. They meet underground to go to church. And here we are in America just enjoying it as if it's something that uh, is you know for grabs whenever you mm-hmm. want to you go whenever you don't want to you don't go no mm-hmm. it's something that we must respect something that we have to appreciate and be thankful to God for yeah but this is how this year began and it made us realize that you have to be thankful to God for the church yeah and you know we are so so thankful for just um, how uh, you guys like the elders of the church have handled everything uh, that has been happening just your faithfulness and prayer and everything that you guys have been doing just to make sure that you guys are still being uh, faithful to the Lord, to to honor His Word, to obey Him rather than men. And I think that has been a great example for many of us because we don't know what the future holds for for many of us. And it's been one of those years of like, okay, so am I going to obey men rather than God. Like, what am I going to do? Like, what what do we do in this situation? Right. You know, and I think I am so thankful for that, just to be able to see uh, the leadership in the church and just to see uh, your commitment and the convictions that you have grounded in the word of God. And, and that is definitely such a, yeah. I'm just so grateful for all of you guys, for all the elders and all, all the people in leadership in our church. Yeah. And it's been a blessing to be part of the leadership part of the church, just going through scriptures and making sure that whatever decision we make, that mm-hmm. it is submissive to the Bible and it's, we're submitting to Christ to nothing else. And those were the things that we talked about in the elders meeting. Are we submitting to Christ or are we submitting to something else and not submitting to Christ while doing this? Yeah, and the, and the prayer and the support that we received from the church has been just an immense amount of support for us as elders uh, as we went through this difficult time. And while there was so much confusion during mm-hmm. this past year, I love how Pastor John said that this year has been one of those years that has brought so much clarity to the church. Yeah, And it has, right? Mm-hmm. Do you follow Christ or do you follow Caesar? And everybody had mm-hmm. to make that decision within the church. Yeah. And I know that different churches made it made it the decision in different ways, yeah. but that was the key question. And mm-hmm. with you, I'm thankful for Grace Community Church and for the way that we have gone through these difficult times and the decisions that we made. And the fact that the foundation of all of these decisions was the scriptures. Yeah. It was God. And uh, I think it was Pastor John or some people started saying like that the people that we have so many new people coming into Grace <laughs> yeah. and now they're like the Grace refugees. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. reason why is because their churches were closed, exactly. but our church was like the only one, I guess, yeah. open and everyone just started yeah. coming. What a blessing. And to see it how it's blessing. continued to grow. Yeah. And, and this was one of the benefits that we got yeah. from COVID, you know, uh, seeing all of those people come. And seeing all of those people thirsty and hungry for the scriptures and then us being able to minister to them and just work alongside with them and just to work together and study the scriptures together. And so many people came to Christ and so many people got baptized and so many people understood and appreciated the church during this year. As you said, those who came to Grace Community Church because their churches were closed. And that's the truth. Yeah. This was our year last year. Yeah, and what a blessing just yeah. to see how the Lord... I mean, and we see it through the Bible too. Persecution just made yep. the church grow grow more and more and exactly. more, you know? And I mean, I know that we're not facing such persecution right. as the ones in the Bible, but... And, you and know. in other parts of the world, right? But even today, there, in other yeah, parts of even, the world. Yeah, yeah the Bible and, and various... You know, you think about North Korea and China, and even in Russia today, there's persecution. Yeah. Canada, Canada... James Coates. Yeah, I, James uh, Coates. I've mentioned exactly. it before also... And just to, like, even his message to uh, the graduates of the mm-hmm. Master Seminary, yeah. it was so encouraging. Yeah. Um, and that is just to say, yes, he is, you know, he's standing, he followed Christ. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not going to follow No matter Caesar. what happens, yeah. he's yeah. following Christ. Even that meant prison time, jail yeah. time, 
and he w- he lived it out. Yeah. The things that he said, he actually lived them out. Yeah. That's that you know he's an example for us. That's that just shows how one has the Bible as his foundation, mm-hmm. as her foundation, and then they stand on that and they live that out no matter what circumstances they face. Yeah, and you know we keep mentioning Jesus Christ throughout everything that we're talking about because that is who we follow. Yeah. We follow Christ, and um, it is because of Him that we have a relationship, a restored relationship with God the Father, and that is like what everyone hears here. You know, like everyone who tell uh, shares their testimony here, yeah. though their stories seem to be like quite different, like in the events that happen in, yeah. in their life. One thing remains the same, and that is Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ had to come into their life and save them, you know, save us, wretched sinners. And um, many of, of people out there, they're like, but why do these people keep talking about this Jesus? Why Why do we need Jesus? Like, Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why? <laughs> yeah. So that is my question to you, Joe. What, why do we need Jesus Christ? Yeah, I think the answer to that question, even though it's been asked for, couple thousand years since the time of Jesus. I think the answer is pretty simple because Jesus is the only way. Mm-hmm. There is no other way, right? He himself said, said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you think, okay, fine. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But maybe there's Muhammad. Maybe there's Gandhi. Maybe there's other people who are the way, the truth, and the life. But he says, no one comes to the, comes to the Father except through me. And at that point, you realize, okay, so it is only Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And you can be saved by no other name, Acts mm-hmm. 412. Uh, it has to be Jesus. If you want salvation, if you want to come to the Father, Jesus. There mm-hmm. is no other name by which you can be saved. That's why Jesus, because he's the only one who brings us to the Father. He's the only one who forgives us our sins. He's the only one who died for our sins, who resurrected from death to life, forgiving our sins. There is no other way. If it's not Jesus, like Paul said, then we're all doomed. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we have salvation is because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's the only way. Amen. Joe, thank you so, so much for joining me. Thank you for this time and being able to get to know you better and more about your family and um, even about your salvation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever yeah. actually listened to your testimony. Yeah. And it's just um, such a blessing. It is a blessing. I'm we're, Richard and I, we're so grateful for you guys. And I just hope that we can invite you back some other time. (laughs) Not for the testimony, because I already shared, but for something else. Well, thanks. This is truly a privilege. And uh, I'm really thankful for what you and Richard, what you guys do. It's, It's an amazing privilege. Thank you. And thank you, friends, for listening or watching. And Joe, if you wouldn't mind just closing us in prayer. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, we thank you that you use us, even though we're sinners. We thank you, Lord, that you save us and have not abandoned us. And Lord, we thank you that we look forward to the day when we will be with you in perfection, without sin, having a relationship with you, being in fellowship with you. Lord, thank you that we have this hope that one day for eternity, we will be with you. Lord, I pray that you would use this, all of these episodes in this podcast to magnify your name to encourage believers and to bring non-believers to salvation. I pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. 